0: What's up, sports fans, and welcome to an all new episode of Football Fanatics here on Final Time Out Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Forbes Crowley, joined by my co host, Fernando Doctors, for this 21st episode of Football Fanatics. We're going to be talking about our great Thanksgiving games and then our nice Week 12 matchups, followed by looking forward to our Week 13 matchups coming in, closing out the season, starting to get to where it really matters within the division. Kicking it off first with the, the Bills-Lions game. A lot more exciting than, uh, than I thought this was going to be. Uh, I thought the Bills were just going to absolutely trounce the Lions, especially because they had a lot of um, defensive injuries, especially Jeff Okuda, um, draft pick, who hasn't lived up to expectations, but is certainly a solid corner that they missed. But, you know, holding the Bills to, to 28 points, really making them sweat for it. Jared Goff is looking good um, this season. I mean, he was 23 for 37, threw for 240 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Jamal Williams really starting to look like, I mean, not starting, he's looked this way since taking over, uh, since the DeAndre Swift injury in the beginning of the season. Um, But he's just looking like a really power back. um, And DeAndre Swift, whether it's injury concerns or just him being ineffective has kind of started to uh, take a back seat. Um, And then, yeah, St. Brown, really definitely a number one receiver. Um, What is this, his sophomore season, Nando? I mean...
1: Yeah, his sophomore season.
0: Yeah, he's looking good for a sophomore. um, And it's just going to come down to their defense. Um, You know, they've played solid when... It doesn't really matter, which is the problem for them. You know, they've uh, they haven't had stops when they've needed it, but um, all of a sudden you see technically that this uh, this Lions team is in was they're in second in um, the NFC North. Granted, that's five games behind the Minnesota Vikings, but that's a lot better than I thought. I think we all thought they were going to be. Um, I think this is going to be a solid team going forward. Um, still they weren't able to come away with the dub and that uh, that win for the Bills definitely makes our our road to an AFC East title harder but uh, talk more about that Patch Vikings tough one Nando what do you have to say about that one
1: oof Pat's Vikings that was a heartbreaker to say the least um First thing, I think it's only appropriate if we do uh, mention, though, that that Hunter Henry catch is indeed a catch, and it's got to be a touchdown. Absolutely Uh, catch. Definitely affected the outcome of the game. Um, You know, some pundits will say that that, you know, is similar to that of Jesse James back in, I want to say, maybe 2018. I think so. The Pats, um, which was a – ruled a drop on fourth down, and Pats took over and won that game. Um, But I I really do think that was a catch. Nevertheless, though, um, the Vikings showed yet again that they are dangerous on offense. You know, the Pats defense has held its own in recent games, uh, most notably against the Jets and back-to-back before and after the bye week games. Um, But, you know, that dude, Justin Jefferson, showing what he's made of, man... In zone and definitely man coverage, he can really beat anybody. And made just absolutely spectacular catch after spectacular catch. Um, following that, you know that crazy game with the Bills uh, just a couple weeks ago. I mean, this dude's unreal. That being said, um, Damian Harris went down with an injury, um, meaning the Pats are gonna go ride heavy again with their boy Ramondre, um, who. Most of his work was definitely, you know, um, short screens um, from Mac Jones, who definitely looked really good throwing for 382 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Um, But, you know, the Pats' identity going forward is definitely going to be behind their run game, uh, which they're going to need desperately in their game um, coming up on Thursday against the Bills. But Forbes, what were your takeaways from that? uh, Tough loss.
0: A tough one to, to stomach on a day when you're trying to be thankful. Um, you know, I, I will say it was, yeah, Mac Jones was a highlight. Um, like you said, yeah, 380 yards, pair touchdowns, um, went 28 for 39. Really looking solid after a lot of people were questioning whether it should be him out there. I think uh, everybody was happy to see uh, the zapping in uh, Bailey Zappi, um, but. I think Mac Jones is definitely the right decision to go with for uh, this Pat's team right now. You know, they have a chance to sneak their way into the playoffs. Um, It's tough with uh, the Damien Harris injury. Granted, you know, he's gotten less time than Ramondre recently, but you know, having that duo is really solid. You know, Damien Harris is obviously more of the, the downhill type back and um, Ramondre can, yeah, he can do the downhill type stuff, but yeah, he's, screen guy can be out on third downs and stuff, but it's tough um, losing, you know, part of that duo. Um, we've dealt a couple running backs um, recently in terms of Sony Michelle. We let Rex Burkhead go. Um, so we're not as deep as we have been um, in recent years in the running back position. So it's not great, but, you know, I'm feeling better about this offense. Um, you know, we, we sleep on the fact that our offense was pretty – Brutally bad against um, the the Jets that week. That was the the 10-3 game um, that we had our miraculous 84-yard kick return touchdown. Um, that the when the our defense really showed out. Um, but we're starting to get back on track. You know, scoring points. Um, you know, this Vikings defense isn't spectacular, but we were solid. We were putting together good drives. So I'm hopeful. But um, you know. The East divisions—they're really just the cream of the crop this year, um, so you know we'll we'll see. It'll definitely be a, a tough road to the playoffs for us. We're gonna have to be battling, you know, Dolphins and Jets. Bills are, if I had to guess, would say yeah, uh, would be taking the division. But um, we're still competitive. We're still making things uh, making things happen. So it'll be fun to to see the rest of the season. We got you know a tough one against the bills this Thursday There's one, um, you know, bright side on that is that it's not a short week for us, but it's not a short week for the bills either. Since we both played last Thursday on, uh, on Thanksgiving, but this will be a big one. Um, this will probably, you know, decide. I've kind of said this, our, I said this, our last divisional game against the jets, but if we lose this game, we'll have probably a tough time, uh, making it into the playoffs. So big one for us on Thursday night. Um, we always play the Bills close unless we're counting last year's playoff game, but it'll be fun um, as long as we win. Ideally, anyway, you know. Moving on, uh, I, I didn't watch all of this game, but the Ravens-Jags. Uh, I think it's time for for Harbro to to get his coaching decisions questioned a little bit. I mean, this is the fourth second half um, lead that they've blown. I mean. Mar Jackson's playing out of his mind. Yes, he, he's not playing perfect, but he's playing as well as someone who is playing for their livelihood and their contract can kind be of expected to be playing. Um, but, you know, we look back, blew a 21-point lead to Miami um, in the fourth quarter, 17-point uh, lead to Buffalo in the second half, 10-point lead uh, to the Giants in, what was that, the final six minutes of the game, and... Um, and then, you know, this past week was at um, an 8-point eight, uh, eight point lead that they really blew. Um, so, you know, this is a defense. This is solid. And obviously, you know, an offense that is averaging 20-plus points a game. Um, so it's concerning that they're blowing games like this um, when you have a veteran coach like Harborough. You know, I expect if Harborough's up by 21 points in the fourth quarter, he's probably going to win that game, you know? So whether or not it can be fully put on Harborough, it's probably not, but I think he deserves a decent amount of blame for the fact that, yeah, the the Ravens are really underperforming and, you know, the the Bengals are nipping at their heels and, and right behind in, in, in that AFC uh, North division, you know, I think, what, they've got the tiebreaker, Technically Baltimore, um, but you know that's that division could really go down to the wire uh, between the two of them. So Harborough's going to have to step it up. I don't know what more Lamar can do, but you know that was my concern for that game. Nando, what about you? Do you have uh, another game you were just like, damn, that was bad?
1: For me, it's got to be the Bucks Browns game. Forbes, uh, I tuned in for most of that one. Uh, exclude, excluding, sorry, the first quarter, really. But, damn, that was bad. I would say that, honestly, the scheme too of the Bucks on offense was just unbelievably mundane. Honestly, just tough to watch, too. Like, we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time here, running the ball. Like, too, like sometimes, like, too. We're talking about they're not getting anything done. Like, why aren't we going? Why isn't he turning to play action? He's got... He's got playmakers at the receiver position. We don't need to fall back on rookie Rashad White. Um, and it was it was frustrating to see. Um, I mean, you're looking at a guy like Godwin getting you know getting a lot of production. You know, 12 receptions on 13 looks, uh, 110 receiving yards, and obviously that nice score that he had on uh, the first half. But I mean. Mike Evans, it just looked off, you know. Nine t- nine looks his way, only two catches for thirty one yards. You know his situation; he's uh, you know high output per you know reception receiver, um, especially when he's you know um, with dealing with man coverage outside. Um, he's usually rocking a mismatch, but it, it didn't look good. The connection didn't look good. Uh, you're talking about Julio Jones too, is who's shown glimpses of just. Being that guy, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that London game where he just took off. Um, he's still definitely a baller. Um, and Brady's got it, man. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have faith in them. But this was a tough one for sure. You're talking about an away game against a Browns defense that, you know, he does, they do have, you know, Miles Garrett. Is uh, David Clowney also there?
0: He is, yeah. I mean, he's been there sparingly with injuries, I mean, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but he's still there making an impact, more or less.
1: Yeah, but, like, it it was just, the offense was just slow, man. It was just slow. I mean, you see, obviously, the 17 points, you know, the OT loss to the Browns. Uh, their defense has been, you know, injury-ridden, yeah. to say. And they definitely held their own, but... As you can see, uh, that Amari Cooper reception at the end for what was like forty-five yards or whatever that that was a dagger. Um and you know, Nick Chubb obviously doing his thing, running the ball well, which was expected, but the offense has gotta be putting up more than twenty points. And if you're looking at this team, you know, the Falcons also lost and it's tough to believe a situation that the, Buc- the Bucs the Bucks don't win this division that being said you know experience wins in the postseason and you'd like to you know put your eggs in in the box to at least show out and make it to the you know nfc title game but i mean games like this just make you put your you know your head on your in your hands and just be like what is going on brady can't be throwing the ball 43 times in a game for less than 250 yards man that's that's just poor
0: yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And especially a game where you know that you're going to be without your star back, Leonard Fournette. Figure other things out. Figure the play action out. Um, you cannot be using Brady's arm 43 times for to only, yeah, to to pass for less than 250 yards. I mean, that's, that's just wasteful on a man who doesn't have a whole lot left to give. Uh, but... Another game that made me just be like, oh, my God, moment. Uh, Steelers-Colts. It felt like a a Thursday night vibe of just two terrible teams. Um, And the Steelers put on a surprising performance, Um, I will say. Kenny Pickett played well. He didn't, you know, wow anyone necessarily, but um, played well, 24, 28, 174 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions either. Um only sacked three times. Uh, you know, Najee Harris went down and wasn't able to, you know, finish the game, but they were able to rely on Benny Snell coming out of the woodworks, um and just performing whenever he needs to be that second back. I mean we saw that uh back when James Conner was in that backfield. So um I was impressed overall with the Steelers offense. Uh I was this, I feel like was the first time we've clearly clearly seen that Jeff Saturday has not coached in the NFL or even uh, college. I mean, it's insane that someone who's played that long, and especially at the center position, loses the fundamentals of football like once it gets down to crunch time. So all right, i I'm gonna go off on a tangent a little bit, but I'm gonna break down the last two drives that the Colts had that was, absolutely questionable so nine minutes left um Steelers just scored to take the lead 24-27 um start on 25 yard line run three straight passing plays for a three and out before punting it back to the Steelers and just allowed them to bleed the clock first play was a dump off to Jonathan Taylor which if they're going to do that at least run the ball to have the Steelers thinking that running the ball is an option they really gave up on the run game way too easily. Um, you know, it was sparing runs by J T, but not a whole lot. Um next play, no huddle pass, Matt Ryan sacked, minus five yards. Um <laughs> coming back next play, we got third and fourteen, short pass play over the middle that really didn't have any chance of being a first down. Um, I mean, you know, I know Jeff Saturday, I believe he gave up offensive play calling. Um the other week, maybe, but um, it's it's bad. It's it's like that was just like they weren't even trying to get uh, a drive going. So you lose four yards, you lose all momentum after the Steelers have just responded to you know the Colts touchdown with one of their own, punted away. Steelers run three minutes off the clock before uh, Colts D puts a stop to him. Um, I think the Colts got the ball back, like three fifty-two left on their own seven-yard line. Um, really not a good time for the Steelers' best punt of the game. But we got two quick first downs, which was impressive. and put them on the, the Steelers' side of the ball, on like the 44 or something like that, with 250 left in the game. Following that, an absolute shit show on what it should have been for calling the plays and clock management. So they come out of their second first down um, with a run to Jonathan Taylor, um, followed by a deep shot. No timeout called in between um, the run and the deep shot. So then you got third and six, pass over the middle. Honestly, great play by Minka Fitzpatrick uh, to stop. I think it was Pittman short um, to make it, I think it was fourth and three. So that was with, I think, 2.30 left. And they don't take a timeout before the two-minute warning, essentially wasting 20 seconds off the clock and leaving fourth and three to after the two-minute warning. So... One benefit of taking a timeout then is, first of all, you get to think about your play with your own timeout, which granted they did with the two-minute warning, but you think about it, you get to plan it, you can run the ball because you know that if you convert, clock still running, you lose 10 seconds and immediately get the two-minute warning, which is essentially another timeout. If you don't get it, the Steelers do turn the ball over, clock stops, and the Steelers need to run at least one play before the two-minute warning, which means you still essentially have three timeouts. So you can save 20 seconds, still be able to talk about your play, and essentially keep the amount of timeouts that you started with. Instead, they don't. They just waste another 20, 25 seconds, take the two-minute warning. They come out. They convert. Good job. But still don't take a uh, timeout. Another 25 seconds off the clock. Next play is a negative 7-yard sack by Matt Ryan. I feel like that was a play where Matt Ryan really showed his age. I mean, that ball should have been out. Like, you know, throw the ball, throw it away. That's a rookie mistake right there to to take a sack, two-minute drill. Um, Still, they don't take a timeout. Remember, they still have all three. They wait the entire time to get their receivers back, the line of scrimmage, set everyone up. They run a play 36 seconds later. So they got 59 seconds left when they start running this other play. Um, still three timeouts left, and it's a scramble for, I think, 14 yards to make it third and short. So, like, good job, Matt Ryan. Still, no timeout. Another 29 seconds later, and on third down, they run a no gain to J- uh, Jonathan Taylor, making it fourth and three, and they finally take their final, t- or their first timeout of the second half with 30 seconds left. I mean, that's actually insane to me. So they come out of that timeout, and their fourth down play essentially just goes to a jump ball, and it's not even a Michael Pittman. Um, it just seemed like a rushed play, and you turn the ball over with thirty seconds left <clears throat> and two timeouts, and you left. You know, you ended the game with two timeouts on the board when you know you clearly could have used them. I don't know. That was the first time that Jeff Saturday to me was clearly not prepared for this rule. I mean, that's just fundamentals right there. And so that was, that was insane to me and just an absolute embarrassing debacle to end the game. And to spend, right. m- maybe I'm saying this because I had Jonathan Taylor to rush for over 90 yards and he rushed for 83, but still that was bad. Uh,
1: I mean, look, I feel like the one thing they're telling you as a QB as a rook, as a, as a young guy at at the quarterback position when you're in the two-minute drill, let alone, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, former MVP of the league is don't take a sack. And if you do, and you're fortunate enough to have three timeouts, take a timeout.
0: Yeah, and and, and that tells me something as well is that Jeff Saturday, the, the fact that Matt Ryan didn't take a timeout tells me that Jeff Saturday doesn't give Matt Ryan the ability or the authority to just call a timeout then. Because a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan should know you just took a sack, sub two minutes left, or sub three minutes left, take a timeout. You have three left. There's no reason to leave them all on the board like you were. And Crazy. So, you know, it, it's it's really just surprising to me. So, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Jeff Saturday might become a pretty good coach, but it's it's going to be a couple years, and they definitely need a quarterback. We know Sam Ellinger probably isn't it after uh, no, he's not it. <laughs> after what we did to him with the, the patch defense. But they, you know, they have some pieces, but... I feel like Jeff Saturday needs to get his reps in as much as any rookie uh, a rookie player does. So, you know, we'll see how it is. But um, the the Colts are are going to struggle this year. Yeah,
1: back to the drawing board, indeed. Um, Forbes, how about we take a quick second to, after all the criticism we've given to a couple of these, couple of these squads of teams that perhaps. Um, exceeded your expectations or teams that just deserve a shout out um for me personally i think i'm gonna go with the 49ers and the jets um beginning with the 49ers the 49ers are just they're probably the best football team when it comes to situational football they just get the job done and they have the tools on both the defensive side as well as you know the offense you know Jimmy G definitely isn't their pro bowler uh, guy, but yet again, he just, you know, moves the chains, sticks to the script given him by Kyle Shanahan and co, and they just do what they got to do to win the game, and, you know, that shutout win, you know, it's, you could look at it and say, you know, it's not that impressive that they only put up 13 points, but they did what they had to do, and a shutout win in the NFL is an impressive thing nevertheless um and quick segue to the jets i think the jets you know at the hands of mike white definitely showed what they they could be capable of uh fortunately for us forbes we are leaving the season 2-0 against the jets and this jets team could easily you know put the burners on and find themselves in the postseason uh with their strong defense and you know what first game for mike white i i know chicago's not that not all that um But you know what? They looked good in the pouring rain, and he was making throws, and their offense looked pretty fluid. Um, Even with Michael Carter going down, Garrett Wilson obviously making plays, um, showing what he's capable of. I I think this Jets team, you know, albeit they do have a tough schedule coming up uh, on the rest of the way, they they are looking good.
0: You know, I do have to agree with you. I got to tip my cap to the 49ers. I think I had them coming in third. And NFC West, and you know they've really impressed me. I will say, beginning of the season, I thought that they would have a better chance with Jimmy G uh, than Trey Lance, which I think has been proven to be right. Overall, um, definitely doesn't help the fact that they got Christian McCaffrey um, and Elijah Mitchell's come back from injury. So, you know, they have been making the right moves at the deadlines, making good trades. Guys have been coming back from injuries. Brandon Ayuk is starting to look as dangerous as Debo. I mean, which is crazy to say. Um, so now they're sitting on a, on a game lead uh, against Seattle and the NFC West. Really in a good position. Um, they're 4-0 in the division, so um, that's going to be a good tiebreaker for them. They're set up really to, to potentially go far in the playoffs, I think, especially with that defense um, I mean, their point differential is, you know, plus 76, which is pretty nuts. Um, I think that's, uh, that's like the fourth best, fifth best in, uh, in the NFL. So they're getting hot pretty much when it matters. Um, so I think that they're one of the more dangerous teams in that FC. coming into the AFC, a team that I definitely didn't give really any props to in preseason, the Miami Dolphins. I talked a whole lot of trash about, uh about Tua and his ability to, to hit receivers, and he's proven me wrong to some extent. Um, you know, it's it's easy to hit a receiver that's wide open, let's be honest, you know. It's, I could be hitting Tyreek Hill if he's that open out there. But Tua's come back from heinous concussion, played well when he's needed to, made kind of the simple throws, hasn't gone really outside of his abilities um, and pushed himself too much, so... You know, they're technically uh, atop the AFC East right now because of their 2-1 and one divisional record, um, but they are tied 8-3 and three with the Bills. Can't imagine that, you know, the Bills won't win the division, but um, the AFC East, you know, every team with a winning record, Bills and Dolphins are probably going to hit the playoffs. Um, we'll see if the Jets and Pats can, can squeeze in. Um, but, you know, looking ahead to... Another exciting, exciting week of football. Nando, we'll start off with a nice Bills and Pats game. You got a take on that one?
1: Ooh, I'm gonna say, give me the points at Foxborough. Uh the lines plus four for New England. Obviously, the Bills are, you know, the favorites in this one. Uh, that being said, I think Bill Belichick shows up for these games. I think that's where the huge coaching difference. Is going to be put on display, and I think that this Pats team is going to is going to run the ball heavy. Uh, you saw Von Miller go down last week. You saw what Jamal Williams was able to do. Um, obviously, he wasn't you know incredibly productive, but I do think that Ramondre and their scheme and their line will will prevail in this one. I think the Pats will you know keep it relatively low scoring. Uh, I expect their defense to make the necessary adjustments. Um, and you know what? If they lose by a field goal, you're
0: still winning. Um, so give me the points, New England baby. I hear that. I did see a, a statistic. It was like uh, following a loss that the Pats have played the Bills. Uh, the over has hit five out of six times. I think this is, this is going to be one where the under hits. 43 and a half. You know, I won't be confident enough to say that this is my pick. But 43 and a half points for Bills and Pats defenses, and you know Pats defenses looked better. But against a Bills defense, granted without Von Miller, I mean they're gonna struggle to uh, to put up points. Bills are gonna struggle to put up points against a solid solid Pats D. So that'll be an interesting one. I think that might break the mold um, in terms of a nice nice prop bet. Um, I don't have the uh, the stats yet, but I got Kenneth Walker the third. Going to score a touchdown against this Rams defense um, that's struggling to really maintain their identity as a really elite defense. Um, they, granted, they've been put on a, under a whole lot of pressure by a subpar offense that has now lost Jared Goff for multiple weeks, has seen uh, Cooper Cup put on IR, um, and, and in addition to you know a bunch of other injuries. So. Um, You know, Allen Robinson just going on uh, injured reserve and stuff. So, you know, this is a Rams team that has had a Super Bowl slump like no other. Um, And I see Kenneth Walker just running over uh, this Rams D. Mm. Um, Moving on, we got a rematch of the AFC Championship chiefs Bengals. It's kind of ironic because last week... Um, we had a rematch of the divisional game between the Bengals and the Titans um, which the the Titans or the sorry the Bengals came back in a pretty exciting fashion to win that one much like they did in the playoffs last year and now um, still kind of the underdog yet again they're gonna take on the nine and two chiefs that are surging um, Nando you gotta you gotta take on this one
1: this is Interesting one, Forbes, because you also have to keep uh, into consideration the fact that Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase are both questionable for this one. Joe Mixon suffering a concussion just a couple weeks ago, and Jamar Chase obviously um, not going on IR with a hip injury, but missing the last four games, uh, five weeks, I guess, including the bye. Um, So... Assuming both of those uh, big time playmakers are healthy for this one, it's going to be a high scoring one, uh, nevertheless. Um, And in these sorts of games, I I would love to imagine that it's going to hit the over on 52.5. That being said, that will not be my pick. I think that, you know, the Chiefs are definitely in a position to have that bitter taste in their mouth. Um, You know, the points are just minus 2.5. I think that the Chiefs are going to come away with this one. Um, but that's all really going to come down to the Bengals defense. Can they, you know, can they slow down, um, you know, uh, Patty Mahomes and co, you know, his connection, uh, with Travis Kelsey has been undeniable Mm -hmm. these last few weeks. Um, you know, mentioning to the media that, Hey, if you're going to throw one man on my dude and coverage, I'm going to hit him and you bet your money he will, um, that being said, Pacheco has also given this Chiefs team a bit of a, a bit of a rhythm with the run mm-hmm. as well that you can't overlook. Um, weeks prior, I mean, it had been a bit of a you know sort of hot hand situation with you know obviously uh, Clyde edwards alaire who's recently put on IR, um, as well as Jarek McKinnon, but yet there was no and you know sprinkles to Pacheco. Um, but there wasn't really an established run, and granted, they've never really had to. Uh, Patty Mahomes does it all himself. Um, but now with that run, they, they make things a little bit tricky for you. Um, this Bengals offense, though, obviously has has more than enough talent to come away with this win. Um, but I'm going to ride the Chiefs. Who's your take, Forbes?
0: This one, uh, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Um, granted, this is yeah. Under the assumption that Mixon and Jamar Chase play, um, I think no matter what, if Jamar plays, Jamar Chase plays, he's going to be hampered. I mean, um, he's a big, tall receiver, and when DBs go to tackle him, they're going to go for that midsection hip area, which you know definitely has the potential to re-aggravate that injury. So, I'm but I'm tentatively going again with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, Joey football. You know, I just got faith in them. Um, I do agree. Pacheco's given um, the Chiefs backfield kind of a more of cohesion, and, and yeah, they've been able to kind of go behind him rather than, like you said, running back by committee. Um, but I have, you know, the Bengals coming off of a really solid win against the Titans, riding that momentum. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily the minus 20, or the plus 205 is the, the way to go, maybe straight money line, because this could be a close one, but I'm gonna go with the Bengals one, and I propose that uh, that we do a beer bet uh, for for this one. Whoever loses got to chug a beer. Sounds good. So we'll check back in on uh, on that one next week. Um, I'm gonna go for my last pick. I'm going with one more upset. I'm gonna go with the Jets over the Vikings. Um, You know, the Jets defense has been playing really solid. last week, they showed out again in the rain. Granted, they, it wasn't against Justin Fields, but um, they kind of got their mojo back. Maybe it's because a certain someone is not under center playing quarterback. Um, Mike White played great. like uh, Just like Coach Salah said, he did exactly what he needed to do. He wasn't anybody other than Mike White. Um, and, you know, this Vikings defense is vulnerable. This is a defense that, to be completely honest, a struggling Pat's offense put up um, 270 passing yards, two passing touchdowns on, um, and really made it a competitive day. So I think the Vikings are going to ride, you know, um, they have James Robinson, um, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, Braxton Barrios. even he kind of has a connection with uh, the Jets backup receivers. He kind of does it all randomly, uh, when it comes to jet sweeps and, and, and short games and stuff. So I'm going to ride with the Jets over the Vikings Maybe not my most confident pick, but I think the Jets feel good under Mike White. Um, I think that their defense is riding high, and I think they might be able to just take out the uh, the Vikings. It's going to be a tall order in Minneapolis, but I'm going with them.
1: Mm, I like it. I like it. I will continue the trend and pick an upset myself. And this one is going to be, you know the rival brewing in the West Coast over the last couple of years between the Las Vegas Raiders and the L.A. Chargers. Um, well, last couple of years in particular with some really close games um, with serious implications. And, you know, maybe you could argue that this isn't the case this time around. Um, but, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders lost this matchup in a heartbreaker, I think, week two. Um, and they're going to come back with revenge. The line is only two points. I think that both of these defenses bleed yardage yeah. and points. But let me tell you, the way that Josh Jacobs has been playing, man, this guy has really shut the critics up. He can run, man. And we're talking about defense um, in the L.A. Chargers that have just been bleeding rush rush yards uh week after week I think the sad is like the last like five weeks uh, they've given up at least 150 rushing yards. and if we're looking at what Josh Jacobs has been able to do in the last five weeks I mean this could be a really good matchup and you know wait for the Raiders you know to, to get back in it you know salvage a season I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far to say uh, make it into the postseason as I do definitely see the Chargers finishing ahead of them but this is one of those games where, you know, the, the Raiders are going to be up for the challenge, to say the least.
0: Yeah, definitely could see that one being a high-scoring game because, like you said, um, those those defenses struggled. I mean, I had high hopes for the Chargers D, especially with their massive signing of um, uh, of J.C. Jackson, um, traded for Khalil Mack. You know, we had big expectations for this Chargers D, and they have struggled. um the play calling has not been there for that Chargers offense, so it's going to be an interesting one. You know, Raiders win that game. Um, they're 5-7, and seven and suddenly the Chargers are 6-6, six and six and um, that becomes a little more of an interesting division. And, you know, the AFC, uh, those wild-card spots in the AFC are wide open. Um, the Pats and Jets seem to, and, and Bengals honestly, seem to trade for one every single week. Um, now with the Bengals and Ravens being tied for first place in the AFC North, Ravens are now in the mix for a potential um, wild card spot, depending on how they do, so it's yeah. going to start to get to games that really ha- hold a lot of weight, um, and it's going to be fun. We're finally getting down to some really exciting games with really a lot of implications, so we'll see, you know, we'll see if we come out this week with every single uh, East division with winning records, or uh, more to talk about, about finally the Bucks getting back to 500, but... We'll see. we got some exciting games for you coming up, and uh, we'll see you next week.